Jeffrey Wittenhagen, and I'm a published author and collector extraordinaire. My latest book, The Complete NES, was a Kickstarter sensation, is fully funded, and ready to rock and roll. I also have a Patreon book series called The Video Game Culture Chronicles that you could subscribe to at patreon.com slash the subcon3. And we've got Kyle. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro, uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. And we've got Daria. Daria here, and I'm a collector and enthusiast of all things role playing. I also run a burgeoning YouTube channel which covers retro game review and indie game coverage. You can find that at youtube.com slash DariaPlays, T-O-O. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Mario RPG. Should I uh, lay the wallpaper? That'll be perfect. <laughs> so... Super, for those people that don't actually know, which is probably not that many people that listen, but um, Super Mario RPG uh, subtitle is Legend of the Seven Stars. It is developed by Square and published by Nintendo. So Square had, you know, the whole developmental process. Um, I don't know if you were subscribed to Nintendo Power back in the day, Daria. No, I had Sega. <laughs> it was a huge, huge, huge push from Nintendo Power with Mario RPG. Like, I remember, like, months prior, like, waiting for this game to come out. This was one that I actually picked up on launch with a, with a strategy guide. Because I, I got to renew my Nintendo Power as Mario RPG was coming out. So I got the Mario RPG strategy guide with my game, pretty much. It's pretty amazing. That That's is badass. awesome. Yeah, it was freaking insane. It's like one of those things where that's why I was so vested into it. 
and why I was like mastering every aspect and every bonus game. Um, so as we said though, uh, developed by Square, um, obviously they are heavily ingrained with role playing games such as the fabled Final Fantasy series. But what's cool is the action based gameplay is a little different aspect that they've incorporated into this game to give it a different flair. Um, so let's see here. The, the producer obviously is old Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, and then you have Kensuke Tanabe and Atsushi Tajima that were the writers. Um, and Yoko Shimomura was the composer, um, which is pretty interesting of a composer because I was looking him up the other day and he, um, mm-hmm. he's done some pretty cool stuff because he actually did the music for like Final Fight and Street Fighter 2. Ah. Yeah, and then recently he's done uh, Kingdom Hearts, and then sticking with the Mario RPG style, he's done the Mario RP- Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga series, which ah. also is like lighthearted, like Mario RPG. It's pretty much the sequels to this. I mean, those are like you—you you have the people in the one boat where they say Mario and Luigi is the sequel. Then you have the other boat where they say it's Paper Mario. Is this I say it's because, all one series, honestly. Um, well, you would be correct in that assessment because the new game that's coming out, they merge them together. Yep. Yeah, the new Paper Mario is going to ha- or Mario and Luigi is going to have Paper Mario in it. Yeah, Paper Jam. <laughs> y- yeah. <laughs> Which is a brilliant name. <laughs> There we go. I do feel like the Mario and Luigi games, though, have that timed aspect more so than the Paper Mario, so I think it feels more like like Mario RPG, the Mario and Luigi series. Oh, the Paper Mario is all about doing the time attacks, too, though. Yeah, but it's kind of a little different to me. To me, it's more action-based in the Mario and Luigi ones. I, I enjoy I them. I think they went, you know... Starting with the one on Wii, they definitely kind of started going way more action. I mean, that one's, I wouldn't even say that one's necessarily a role-playing game. That's more of an action-adventure game. Yeah. Paper Mario on GameCube and N64 are straight-up continuations of this. The Super Paper Mario is where you can rotate from 2D to 3D, right, by pressing the button? Yeah. That one's really cool. It was different. Mm Mm-hmm. You did a lot of jumping into the background and then jumping back into the foreground, which was really yeah. neat. Yeah. So back to uh, Super Mario RPG, the uh, story, um, instead of just the typical Mario and Bowser, even though the awesome prologue has you save Princess Peach from Bowser, um, you actually have a whole new main antagonist with the Smithy Gang and the giant sword that circles and falls into the castle and the classic, classic, classic yes. picture very, of the very. of the castle with the sword in it and super, super duper. And yeah. and most people that so haven't actually beaten this game probably think that's the end boss of the game. Oh yeah, you're not even close. Yeah, yeah. no, that's like that was my major thing is I thought that was the emboss of the game while I was watching all the promos and everything until you actually get to the end. Right. So cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the, um, that's the gist of, you know, the Mario RPG, the wallpaper set, Kyle. 
Sweet, man. And what I wanted to put um, my story, so my buddy Rich Davin, who lived down the street, he ended up moving, but he ended up going to Jeff's school later, which is so small world, you know. Moved on the other side of Arrowhead, man. Yeah. Uh, hand over hat. Um, so he actually had Mario RPG, and so I had grown up with Final Fantasy. My dad... He was a teacher, and all his kids were like, hey, you got to check out this game, you got to check out this game. They were always saying that to him, whether it be Contra or Final Fantasy. So then he ended up getting me Final Fantasy with the Nintendo Power subscription, which I talked about before. So that started two huge things in my life. Um, the thing with that being, I was watching them play Mario RPG, and I was thinking, like, okay, I, so I had played Final Fantasy. I hadn't beat it yet. I beat it all the way through, actually, in college. I beat it about halfway through. When I was a kid, and then, you know, whatever else, I got drifted away. But, uh, so I was watching them play it, and I was like, I could, like, kick the shit out of this. <laughs> you know, and compared to Final Fantasy, it's, it's oh, pretty it's, easy. It's, it's, definitely it's easy like game. a baby's toy. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I might as well grab this and uh, play this, because this looks super cool. And, you know, it's always cool to play with other people, because you can, like, feed off each other. And figure out stuff. So I get the game, and we're like figuring the game out. I'm showing, you know, more how the, how to do the spells and like little techniques and strategies and how to multitask. And then I go to Jeff's house because Jeff and I would have sleepovers and stuff all the time. And then I figured out he had the game too, and he had gotten at that point way further. He actually had. I think you had beaten the game, or we're almost to Smithy. Nice. So then you taught me, and then I went back and showed Dobbin all those secrets. <laughs> and that's that's really what makes it so fun, too, is, like, when you can interact, and, like, especially as a kid. So that's how I got into the game. I'm thinking, like, I probably showed you where some of them, uh, the best weapons were. Yep, like the very end stuff, like the lazy shell. That one's the hardest one in the game to find. I think that's the one that we found, like, while you were over. It's in, like, Nimbus Land, and somehow you knew about it, or maybe it was an accident, but you have to, like, coast the perimeter of the screen in Nimbus Land, and eventually you go off in this, like, secret path. Hmm. I think I randomly came across that. Very interesting. And that's Mario's um, super, you know, super weapon, which is the best weapon in the whole game. I think that was, like, my Zelda, like, training, just, like, searching every little nook and cranny. Check all the corners of the screen. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you get the drill claw in the castle when you're, like, going through it in one of the chests, if I'm not mistaken. And then you have to get the frying pan with Princess, you have to go back to the mining town. Yep. And you have to talk to the moles and do some shit or whatever. There's, like, a shiny rock and a bunch of different little things you gotta do, right? And they're, they're like, that little mini quest. It's like a little fetch quest. Yeah, because like. one of the fetch quests gets you the Culex sub-boss. Ooh, the then... key. Oh, yeah. That's a huge deal. That's like Squaresoft's really big imprint on the game, you know? Because I think it even plays the Final Fantasy, maybe two. Boss fight. Yeah. Yeah, the boss battle thing. And he has crystals, too. Hell yeah, they does. Yeah, and that's, I just want to throw us in. That's my favorite um, secret boss. Other than, I do love, like, the weapons in Final Fantasy VII. Like, the, the alternate bosses, you don't have to fight. But they give you something really, really awesome if you beat them. Yeah, I loved how, how uh, Q-Lex was actually more powerful than any other enemy in the game, including the M-Boss. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. He was way harder to beat than Smithy. Well, that's how Square always does it. If you're going to find 
go off on and find the uh, the optional bosses are always way more difficult. Yeah, and the the issue was the crystals because each of them would do a different spell, and you had to take all of them out before you could actually kill Culex. So it was a huge task. It was like the Axum Rangers kind of. You have they're all <laughs> doing different spells on you. Uh-huh. You know, one's turning you into a mushroom, and one's slowing you down, and one's just strong kicking your ass, and it's like, damn, dude, I'm ass kicked here. But those are the bosses that you really feel Square's presence. The Axum Rangers, they were so awesome. Yeah. Anything with, like, a lot of guys attacking you at once is, like, always harder to me than just one big, like, behemoth guy. Yeah. Because they take attack turns, and there's a huge gap of time to where you get a chance to do anything. So you have to make sure that you're leveled up. With the Axums, if you had the proper um, accessories equipped, they were a little bit... It was an easier fight, though. I think... With them, I took the approach. I know I killed the pink one first because she was doing recovery. Mm-hmm. And then I took off the ones on either side of the red guy because they were pretty much doing kind of helpful things. It was like, uh, it's like that guy does damage. I don't care about him. It's the, uh, you know, it's the ones around him that are doing status effects and things. I need to get rid of them. Yeah. That's and once you clear yeah. them off the board, it's really easy. So, well, and that shows that um, you, you're like an RPG pro. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of people would be like, go for the guy that's the Conan guy, the warrior guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they're they're like Power Rangers, so the red one's the leader. So that's the thing. I mean, to you, that's like cake, but to someone who's not, it's like, yeah, I can see that being kind of tough. Um, and then Jinx. Jinx was a pretty tough boss just because he's such a badass, and I just love Iso Small, like Mog or something. But he's super cool and super powerful. That's that's another square thing that I always like. Yeah. Just those interesting characters, you know? Absolutely. So this actually might be a, a good time to uh, talk about how I changed up my mentality because it kind of links up with the whole, um, the whole like, multiple aspects that Kyle was talking about. Because um, normally when I go through a role-playing game, which includes Mario RPG, I will spend, like, five hours or something just leveling up near the beginning. Like, just wherever I find a good grind spot, I will just sit there, level up until I'm, like, level, like, 20 or something. And then I'll go through the game, and I'll be super overpowered, and it's a cakewalk, and it's fun, because you just destroy everybody, and then you just basically enjoy the story. I will do that if the game has um, an enemy that can be exploited, because then I feel like it's expected. Yeah. Uh, This time around, I decided that... I don't want to spend the time grinding because I don't have as much time to game anymore. So I just went through and um, minimally grinded. So not at all. So as I was going through, I was even avoiding some enemies just to get to the next boss and things. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because uh, today or yesterday when I was playing, I started at Moleville because um, that's where I ended my last one. Pretty good. Yeah, and I went through Moleville, went through the entire, um, you know, you have to fight the croc again where he steals your steals some coins or something, and you're chasing him down so you can blow holes through so you can go save the little girl, and then you get to the minecart spot. So I got to all of that, beat the little guy at the end uh, with the bombs, and he like has like the tiny little bombs that you fight off, and then the bigger bombs, and then the giant bomb that blows you out of the mountain. <laughs> Classic stuff. 
Yeah, that's funny, yeah. And then you go through the uh, the booster area, and who the guy who basically kidnapped uh, Princess Peach, right? Or has Princess Peach up in his tower or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and you're doing the classic uh, where you have to hide behind the um, the curtains and everything. So I got all the way through <laughs> all that. I walk out of there. I'm only at level 8 right now. <laughs> and that's like half, halfway through, oh, like Jesus. almost halfway through the game. I'm at level eight, so I go out and you fight these two clowns, and you know what? They're doing some crazy ass shit. Um, One's on a ball or something. Yeah, so I uh, destroyed them, <laughs> and I'm still going. And then I think right after that is about where I was at because you go to like the marriage town, whatever that's called, Marymore. <laughs> Mary Moore, there we go. <laughs> and so then I got to what I was sending you guys about the cake. Basically, you have these two uh, Bowser min like uh, minions, but they talk with like little accents. And when they when you actually read what they're writing, like it's all an accented. Um, and they're like attacking you, and the, and you're attacking this cake. Once you do about 900 damage to the cake, the guys run away because the cake's coming alive. And then the cake no longer has HP, but it, you have to put out these candles. And because I'm only level 8, Mario and Gino, because I brought Gino with me instead of Mala, yeah. uh, Mario and Gino both um, were like dying within a couple hits because this cake is sitting there hitting us with Blizzard and hitting you with um, Drain and a bunch of crazy powerful spells. powerful spells that are hitting all three yeah. party members. Mm-hmm. So it's like fucking me over. Bowser isn't even getting touched, by the way. Bowser's like a badass getting hit for like three damage and he has like 90 hit points. <laughs> now, when you were choosing your level ups, were you focusing on magical defense or were you putting it all like into power or hit points? Okay, so I used Mario and Bowser are complete power and Gino and Mallow are complete magic. That's all okay. I did because I'm because I'm I'm doing just like that. Um, my plan is is that um, I focus on I want to do Gino instead of Princess Peach, and I want to get items instead of healing magic. I want to see if I can beat the game doing that without a healer. Never done it. Actually, I'm playing the end boss right. Th- I'm fighting Smithy as we talk. I did. I never switched my party. I was always Mario, Bowser, and Mallow. Mm-hmm. The whole time. I leveled up kind of their opposite of their strengths. Like, so Mario's pretty much... I know Mario's kind of all around. So I did kind of half and half uh, magic defense uh, or, you know, physical defense. Mallow, I leveled mm-hmm. up completely physical defense. That's good. Those little punches are horrible. Yeah. Bowser, I gave uh, all physical. I never I never once chose anything else for him. But I haven't used any healing magic pretty much the entire that healing rain spell I don't even bother with I no. did the composer mini game so I could get the uh, multiple the whole heal party items uh-huh. and I just I chug those like candy yeah yeah no someone was saying like the one dude was dumping on mallow or whatever I was reading like forum and the guy's like dude why aren't you using mallow I guess what the sh- he's like shocker is great he said he can get over a hundred jumps with Mario yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm you just have to sit there and just kind of master it. So so one interesting thing is that I was playing this not on my Super Nintendo, but I was playing it emulated on my Xbox Coin Ops Arcade. 
and on a HD TV. <laughs> so the timing is off a little bit yes. than the Super Nintendo game. But I perfected it. I perfected it because, like, basically, as soon as I attack with Gino with his little uh, shot hand, you have to press it a yeah. second time to get the second hit immediately. Like, mm-hmm. before he even moves, because then it'll register it. And, like, Mario's jump, like, when he's halfway through coming down, that's when you have to hit the button to keep jumping. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to right. do everything a little sooner. But as I was playing it, like, I had it down within, like, maybe, like, three or four battles. Like, it wasn't super hard, but it was different than Super Nintendo. So if somebody's playing the Super Nintendo and you switch to an emulator or switch <laughs> from an emulator to the Super Nintendo, your time is going to be fucked. Yep. Um, I already, I told you earlier, but yeah, I was playing this originally on my Super Nintendo and while playing the SNES came crashing down off the shelf, hit the floor mm-hmm. and wiped my save game. What? I don't even remember what part I was at, but I was, I was pretty far into the game. So I ended up downloading a, a save file to continue from because I didn't want to start all over again. And the t- the timing was completely off. I like suddenly couldn't do Mario's jump anymore, and I had to complete, <laughs> like you said, I had to completely relearn it. Ugh. Yeah, it's like playing the NES on like a flat screen. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lag on it. Any any lag that's even point at eighth of a second or sixteenth of a second is is no- noticeable. It's noticeable. Yeah, it's different. I have, like, the worst setup. I also was playing on a LCD TV. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you got those people that, that are graphics whores, is what I call them. Because they have to be, because if they don't spend that money, they can't deal with the uh, the lag. Me, I'll just play it on a CRT. Gotta have one around, man. I really want to pick one up. I've been meaning to. I just don't have the, the space for the, the well in the back. It's huge. <laughs> the well. <laughs> <laughs> But the whole thing with the, the, I think Mallow and Gino are both owned, they're both owned by Square, right? They must be. So that's why you don't see them, like, elsewhere? I think, I think it's a good theory. I'll, I'll go with that, because, yeah, because you would think that, um, they would reuse some, those two characters. They're definitely, like, classic. I thought Gino was boring. I'm, I'm all for Mallow. When we were kids, we we just loved the uh, I, I don't know, must have been the the robe and the wand. Thing. Yeah, he's kind of like a Pinocchio sorcerer, like little <laughs> wizard. I think I think that was probably word for word in their kind of planning meeting. What someone wrote down: we should do Pinocchio. He should cast magic. That's a great idea. It's <laughs> definitely what it is. <laughs> I think Mallow is cool because I think he's like a secret awesomeness that people look at him and say, "Ah, that guy's shit," but I think he's a badass. You just have to know how to use them right, mm-hmm. which they all are in their own way, but I always like the underdog characters, too. Yeah. Mallow, uh, although he's uh, definitely a magic-heavy character, he does a surprisingly a lot of damage. Maybe because I was upping his power so much, but he was on par with Mario in damage, you know? Especially once he got his superstar magic attack. Yeah, the superstar magic attack's really good. I mean, he's basically a magic guy, and I think yeah. what you what you did was a good thing, Daria. Like going against their strengths, because then you have a well rounded character. And see, that's another little nuance well, it just, there. He was taking too much. He wouldn't last in battle, and I spent all this time trying to keep him alive. And it's like, no, I need him to be a little more, you know, not so weak. I need him alive, basically. See, I always well-rounded my characters, so this time I went the opposite and just went right with their strengths only. 
Um, I'm, I'm doing it for like a challenge aspect as well, because if I don't level up anybody's defense, they're going to be really weak and it'll be interesting. <laughs> That's the other thing too. Like, I really don't know how much it matters anyway, because it's not that hard of a game, really. I mean, no. Culex gave me the hardest time. Yeah. No, this game is definitely more about the experience than the challenge. I was all the way halfway through the game and still only had 80 hit points. I was good still. <laughs> like, it was, this was a ridiculous way to play freaking Mario RPG. I would not, I would not recommend it at all, but I did it just to fuck around. Uh, it was, it was fun as shit though, but like, I had no issues though because my timing was perfect. So like, nobody could, I, I blocked every attack. I, and whenever I attacked, I'd hit the, the double hit or whatever the max was. So, like, it wasn't an issue. The only one I couldn't figure out was Gino's, like, hold the power up, the shot magic. I couldn't fucking figure that out. There's probably an FAQ somewhere that at least kind of... It would be hard to, like, describe that in words, like, when the click, but I guess you could kind of... Well, because it says just hold the button, so you hold it up and it, it does, like, one, two, three stars, and I let go when it gets to the third star, and it does, like, 20 damage. I am so fucked, by the way. I'm fighting Smithy... I'm out of resurrection potions, and Bowser and Mario are down. And now you're relying on Mallow. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Mallow. <laughs> 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 a little crybaby, that's why a lot of people hate him. Nope, Mallow, uh, Mallow dropped the ball. So, so like yesterday when I was uh, fighting the cake or whatever... The bun cake? Yeah, the bun cake. Mario and Gino kept dying, and I eventually ran out of, um, you know, the pick-me-ups. And the irony mm-hmm. was is that Bowser was taking, like, one damage, and the cake was out of MP. <laughs> so he couldn't do any <laughs> attacks anymore. And basically, Bowser was not going to die. And I was sitting there, and it was like 20 minutes. And I'm at level 8, by the way. It was like 20 minutes. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I just I just, I just turned off the game. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. Yeah, you just like, I'm done with this. Because the thing is, is that every time you attack the cake, it puts out a candle. Every time the cake, atta- it gets two, the cake gets two attacks in a row and lights up one to two, ca- two candles usually. So every time I was attacking oh. with Bowser, he would light two candles back. If all three characters were alive, like if I would have leveled up normally, like a normal human being, it would have been two seconds. I wouldn't even notice it. I didn't notice that that was even... I, I noticed the candles were going out like as I killed the cake. I was like, oh, it's no mm-hmm. candles anymore. Oh, it's dead. And it, it tells you at the beginning, put the candles out. Like, I knew what I had to do. It's just, they kept fucking dying. That was the Reading issue. for nerds. Yeah, I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> As Jeff was saying, that's part of the charm of that game. Cause you have like two French like Koopa chefs yeah. running around, like yeah. just hilarious. Oh, it, this whole game is hilarious. Z cake is coming alive, and they like run around. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say, for U.S. released games, this is my favorite Super Nintendo game. Really? Yeah, I can't cool. think of anything else that I like nearly as much as this. It's in a top ten. Uh, it's hard for me to say, like, number one, but it'd definitely be in my top ten, just from first thought. Well, I know what my number one is, but, yeah, it's definitely in my top ten as well. Yeah, Zelda 3. Well, I'm, hey, I'm playing that now. Jerry's still out on that one. Yeah, Link, Link to the Past is is definitely my top, but the thing is, though, is that, like, Mario RPG is definitely up there. 
Link's not as I gotta say though, Link is not as funny as this game. Oh yeah, this you know. game's like has a lot of humor to it. Oh yeah, it makes fun of itself all over the place, and I love that. You know, have you um in your playthrough have you actually have you actually gotten to the dark world yet? Oh no, Mm-mm. I've done the first two palaces. I'm I'm on my way to do the third one. Yeah, wait till you get to the dark world. There's a lot less humor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the fucked. dark world. Everything's fucked. It's gr- like I like that it's drear as shit. Everything's like dead. All the grass is like gray and brown. And it's almost like a horror movie style, and me liking horror. Like I, I love that aspect. Yeah, it's got a dark feel to it. Oh yeah. I'm hoping that's where the game turns. I mean, I like. I it's warming up to me now. I'm liking it more than I did. Uh, the last dungeon complete. The well, the last dungeon I did, which was the desert dungeon. It didn't occur to me that to continue the dungeon, you had to go outside. Like, that was so alien to me, I got stuck. I was wandering for, like, half an hour, pushing all the blocks, trying to randomly throwing around bombs, shooting things. It's like, where do I go? It fucked me because I have played Zelda. And it takes you out of that comfort zone of, like, you're in a labyrinth, this is where you go. No, it's like, you're done with this section, but now you gotta go to this other section. It's like, I thought I knew the rules because I've played other Zelda games. And that's what fucked me. I didn't think outside of the box, you know? And it's like, oh. I mean, to me, how epic. Like, you get this book that you can, like, transcribe this language and it makes these monoliths, like, fucking move. I mean, it's badass, dude. Like, to me, that's the shit. This game set the rules and every other game is trying to not do that. So then you didn't know to do that. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. every other game has avoided that, like, the plague. (laughs) So, um... I looked at my top 10 Super Nintendo Mario RPGs number 10. There we go. I do have nine other games that I like more, and I'm look and I'm looking at them, and yes, I do like all those more than Mario RPG, but Mario RPG is definitely top 10. See, I, I haven't put that up on the blog yet, but I do have my top 10 written out. Top 10s. People love their top 10s, I tell you. Oh, fuck yeah. People love reading top 10s. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, like... Like, if I did a video, it would be cool, but I, I like it in the blog format more. I put out a video, it'll get 50 views, which isn't which isn't bad for a young channel. I put out a mm-hmm. top 10, those are sitting at, like, uh, over a thousand. Yeah. It's like those recommendation things that people are like, you know, I, I'm looking for something else, maybe she's got something in mind that I haven't thought of. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do anything, though, I'm gonna make it easier, I'm gonna do, like, top five. Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, top 10 is a nightmare to, uh, to, in the editing and yeah. even the recording, because I'm not going to cheap and just use other people's uh, footage. You know, it's no, like, okay, no, I got to no. play this game, analyze it, write the review, and it's like, okay, now I got to play 10 games. Uh, yeah. No, let me scale that back a little bit. Why, why do you think in my video reviews I do like a kind of a initial reaction to the games? It's so much easier than trying to, oh, I got to record like the end boss of this game or something. Like, now I got to play the game for 20 hours. Like, no, I don't have that time i'm starting to realize why the popular channels there there aren't any rpg centric ones yes <laughs> it's like there's a reason for this i have chosen the wrong genre well if you're trying to build a youtube channel the general consensus is you need to put out uh one to two videos a week minimum and with an rpg channel you're not gonna be able to do that unless no. you do let's plays <laughs> which is i'm throwing them in there you mean I shouldn't take a month off for <laughs> for Xbox gaming? That might have been a mistake. Right now I'm doing it for fun. I'm I'm picking up followers. People are it's resonating with a certain audience, and I will learn 
the tips and tricks as I go. You know? You know what my whole mentality is? Is if one person enjoys it, it's, that's awesome. And you know what? As long as that person's you, Bam. that's all that matters. That's exactly, because then you have it for the archives. But Forever. you know that there's something to it if you think it's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're just like complete narcissist or something. But Even if yeah. you're the weirdest fucker in the world, there's some other weird-ass fucker like They're you. way weirder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some, uh, some other guy that makes Scary you look Scary weirder, yeah. Like, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah there's there's so many people out there that game if you ever go to the gaming conventions there's so many people out there and like everybody is in the same boat like um this talk about people when i was doing my book promotion and stuff like it's just everybody out there has our mindset it's just getting yourself out there to where people can find you because once they find what we're putting out it's awesome that's all it really mm-hmm. ever is. It's getting into the machine. Yeah. The machine spits you out correctly mm-hmm. and it puts you everywhere and it's like billboard, you know. If if you see it, it's there. If you don't see it, how are you supposed to know? We're not clairvoyant. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. That's the main difference between the success of my book and the success of Pat the NES Punk's book. He has five hundred thousand followers. How why do you think he sold so many more books? That's all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he has 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. I have 50. Now I have more than that, but I had 50. (laughs) It's cool that someone, that someone can just come up and do it. And I think that's, that's, should say a lot for other people who, if you do it right and you do it correctly and you got a, you know, a decent amount of good people supporting you, you can pull it off. Yep. That's beautiful though. But, I mean, that's why on social media I actually promoted Pat's book because it's like, dude, he's so much more popular out there. If I went and said, oh, he's doing the same thing as me or we're similar or I even tried to, like, piggyback or something, it would look bad. Basically, I just said, hey, for those of you that supported mine, there's another one. There's another book out there. It's doing reviews on more on the, you know, review aspect and it's artistic. And, you know, people were thumbs up in it and stuff. And I think I actually sold a book because of that. So, win. Cool. <laughs> win for me. But, no, the thing is, though, is that <laughs> um, this isn't the only book I'm doing. I did it because I'm passionate about it, not because I'm a greedy shit. So, I'm happy for more retro shit. And that's the thing, though, Dara, is that us being startup, though, for, like, YouTube and stuff, like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. The reason why, and if you think about it, the reason why Pat has all those followers, he's been on YouTube for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't begrudge him his fandom. Mm-mm. He's, he's not at his all. ass off. He's earned it. Exactly. You know? He was also one of the first. You have to be one of the first. If you're not, you have to be special. Uh, a quality craft to compete. But if you're, you know? it's like the AVGN thing. Like, no one came around that did that. I mean, that's why. There still aren't too many people doing that. There's people, there's a bunch of wannabes. There's a bunch of wannabes, but the the production value, not so many. Yeah. There's three things you have to do to be successful in that whole YouTube community. First is what Kyle said. You have to be the first to do it. Number two, you have to do something gimmicky or unique. And number yeah. three, you just have to do it the best. So like yeah. somebody like Retro, Retro Liberty or Game Chasers... Um, Game Chasers did the whole game chasing thing. They didn't do it first because Pat the NES Punk even did Flea Market Madness first, but the Game Chasers did it with better quality. They did like a VH1 style uh, talking about it while they were doing it. 
They were the first ones to do it with the higher quality. I've sat on the couch and binge-watched a few of their episodes. I've watched all of them, actually. And the, I've watched all the NES Pursuit. <laughs> My attention wanes. <laughs> I, I don't have the the stamina to sit there and watch all of them. I don't watch them all at once. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting down, watch eat a burger or something. I'll put one on. It's fantastic. No, I w- I watch YouTube channels the same way I read web comics. I will f- start from the beginning and mm-hmm. watch, just binge watch, and then I'm like, I've I'm I'm feeling nauseated now. I think I'll uh, move on to something else. That's what's cool about the YouTube, and now it has that watch thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's only one channel recently that I binge watched, and that was the Completionist when I found him like about six months ago. And he just completes games and his quality, and he had a little bit of humor before he got rid of his buddy off of the show. But um, yeah, like that that show was is is awesome. He still does weekly videos, but he's like has more subscribers than fucking Game Chasers and Patty and his Punk and the Angry Video Game Nerd. I think now, like he's freaking crazy. Jesus. Yeah, but but his quality is like outstanding. And that's like goes to say with the game sack too. Just the the quality they use is like super yes. awesome, and people people see that, and uh, it does make a difference. You don't necessarily have to be the first, but if you look at all the bands and all the music and all the movies, the first still is the thing that's classic. You know, yeah, it's like the first slasher film, like Halloween. You know, it's always classic. Like no one can ever take that away. It just started a genre. It's just those things that start a genre. But do you ever really hear about the first? You hear about the first popular, the first that made it. What about those guys that are doing something similar that no one remembers? There's millions of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons. They don't necessarily make it. Yeah, they just didn't have the right serum to be injected into the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would say doing like an inward look on my recent videos, though, like my quality is getting substantially better. Uh, the one thing that I need to get, and my wife I think is going to get them just for her eBay selling and stuff, is I need to get those light setting things, the little like nice lights. It's like I think it's like a hundred bucks, and you get like two stand lights and like a backdrop, which you can get your green screen crap. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's going to do that for like a white because I think it comes with a green, a white, and a black screen. She's going to use it for like a white screen for eBay stuff, but. Um, but that, that lighting, cause I was watching my 8-Bit Xmas, uh, review that I just did recently. And I mean, I have no lighting, so it's like super dark in there and you, it looks like it's like Blair Witch style, <laughs> like, but if I, but it's <laughs> 60 frames per second, so it's still good quality, but the lighting shit. And so I think that's the last part when I add that to my videos, I think that'll, that'll help the quality wise. That would be my house, fighted live filming. I practically live in a cave. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> insane, and like I, that's the same with me. Is like this room that I'm in my gaming room. Like there's two lights above windows, and that's it. There's no lights in here. So. Well, that's perfect for gaming. That's awesome. Not necessarily perfect for filming. It's amazing for gaming. In a game room, you want it to be dark and. Yeah, lighting is key with film. Like totally yeah. fucking mm-hmm. key. And and that's the thing is like. My single credit reviews and homebrew reviews are getting the most interest on the websites and YouTube. It's just that I, I'm realizing that like I still only have a couple reviews up on each, so I'm nowhere near the point where I'm like consistent yet. So that's you got to have like a ton of videos before you start like actually gaining any type of traction. 
So I'm just building up a queue and doing cool reviews, and I'm just going to keep it going while it's fun. That's the key. Fun. Yeah, I, I think it's surprising. Like, I don't have much content on my channel yet. I've only been doing it a couple months, but the, the feedback I've gotten has been pretty good, I think, for a beginning channel. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful. Oh, for absolutely. That. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, just you being a female, you already have that power that's different. Hey, I'll, I'll use my vagina for the powers of good. <laughs> Might as well. They don't always have to be for the powers of good. For... <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Very true. I occasionally use them for the powers of evil, but let's not talk about it. <laughs> evil. <laughs> Sorry, either be good or be good at it. <laughs> but no, it's it, that's the thing, though, is that, like, the, the key with that is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't expect to be popular overnight and yeah. just do what you love, and it's fun. That's That's it. Keeping the passion going. And last month, what I loved was playing Jade Empire. There you go. <laughs> and not so much the reviews. <laughs> I'm back now, though. Yeah, the, the <laughs> thing is, is that um, it is what it is. It, it depends on what you want to get out of things, too. I mean, if you're... Yeah. I, sometimes, man, it's, it's better to actually play some games. I actually respect people that are like, hey, I just wanted to play some fucking games this month. <laughs> yeah. I get... I fortunately make sure that I play a lot. Like, I was playing the incident earlier. Like, I, I have to play some games. It's just me. Yeah, it was like, I played Jena- Jade Empire, and it was so short. I was starved for more. It's like, you know what? I'm going to play KOTOR now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been playing Fallout 4. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I don't have that yet. Fallout 4, um... The only person in the world not playing Fallout 4 right now. Well, the thing with this one, though, Dari, with Fallout 4 is that they streamlined the RPG elements. So it's less. No, they did a Skyrim. Yeah, more so than Skyrim. More so. That's all right. If it's not RPG enough for me, I always have Wasteland 2. Yeah, and Witcher 3. <laughs> well, Wasteland 2, just because I, start, I started Fallout with Fallout 1. Yeah. I know a lot of people jumped in with 3, and they're like, oh my god, Bethesda's making this awesome thing. It's just like Elder Scrolls. And it's like, no, no, no. I started with Fallout 1, and 1 and 2, and it was like, oh my god, they're bringing back my series, but uh, it's in 3D, mm, first person, I'll give it a try, and it was still an excellent, mm-hmm. excellent game. And then, of course, Witcher 2 goes, you know what, you liked Fallout 1 and 2? Here you go, or not Witcher 2, sorry, Wasteland. Wasteland 2, yeah. It's like, here you go, Here's the, here are the games that you started with. It's like, oh, even more awesomeness in two different directions. Yeah. Getting, like, double teamed by Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, <laughs> DP in the house. Yeah, they, I, I still, I still think Fall Force fun as shit. But um, and I didn't even use the Vats system, which is basically you press the Vats button and it shows you percentages that you can hit the guy in the head, the body, the arms, and the legs. I love that shit. Oh, let me shoot this guy's head off in slow motion. Little Matrix style. Uh, <laughs> Max Payne. <laughs> But but the irony is is that I somehow was playing Fallout 4 like I was playing Mario RPG. And I'm to this point in the game where I'm to like a major city and I told my one buddy that he's at I think I'm at level 10 and he's at level 25 at the same ap- aspect and he's but he's put in like 60 hours where I put in like Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I have about 5 or 6 into it. And that's a lot for how much we play games. Like, five or six hours is a ton 
for for me because I'm playing retro shit all the time. So uh, <laughs> like, it's just hilarious though that he's like, "Oh no, I'm only there too. I've just been fucking off and you know leveling up and shit." And I'm like, "Damn it!" Yeah, sixty hours and in, in a in a Bethesda game is nothing. It's nothing exactly, and that's it's nothing the fucking crazy thing. That's a couple hundred hours of game time. I mean, that's the shit that's like, you want to waste your life, or... I don't know, that's where it's, I stay away from black holes sometimes. See, I, I think that would be... It's it's fun in short stints, and that's the first time with a Fallout game, or Bethesda game, that I actually can put this down and come back to it in small spurts, which is weird. I think it's because of how it's action-y and arcade more so, is that, like, mm-hmm. I can go there and do, like, a little thing, like, do a little quest or something and then like all right i'm at a good stopping point weird so i can turn it off or go to something else mm-hmm. it's it's definitely different um i wouldn't say it's bad a lot of people are saying it's bad they said that it uses the same graphic engine as the last one and they're complaining about a bunch of shit and i'm like you know what all that stuff is superficial it's it's still a fun game i'm enjoying the mm-hmm. shit out of it I, but I don't think you need to rush in, into a 200-hour-plus game right now, Dara. I think we got plenty to no. do. And well, yeah. I, don't have the, I don't have the system to play it on right now. Yeah. Like, I don't want to play it on PC, so I'll wait. I mean, you have so many games, and all of them involve all this time, so you just throw them all in the air and just say, fuck it. <laughs> I have more games than I'll ever play. I can't, I can't possibly beat them all. Yeah, I just shelf them. There's no them, way. Right? <laughs> yeah. Add on to that, then we're doing videos and podcasts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm writing books. Time is the thing. It's a juggling act. It's like, hmm, play games or be productive. <laughs> and have a family. Oh, and work. Yeah, oh, oh no, let's oh, add that on to the fucking... Fuck. Like, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, when we were kids, we really didn't know how lucky we were with all that time. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like we wish and we could go back. You can't understand why your parents get mad at you whenever you said you're bored. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what you've never been bored before. What? Is... Yeah, you just don't have time to be bored. Yeah, you have time to have fun. Just wait, kid.
Anyway, Mario RPG. <laughs> yeah, fucking A. Uh, that was a good sidetrack. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing I really like about this game is it is it's a short role playing game. It's an easy role playing game, but it's like infinitely replayable. There's so many hidden secrets and things that you want to come back and try to find the stuff that you missed. Oh yeah, and a lot of mini games too. And I was a kid that. Rich Dobbin, he had two brothers, and they couldn't figure out how to win that Yoshi game where you have to race the Yoshis. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so easy. Like, I skipped that this playthrough. Like, I didn't even go to Yoshi Isle. Dude, they were stuck for, like, two weeks. What? Yeah. I did that, like, the first time I beat Boshi or whatever. That's what's interesting, because they were pressing it as fast as they can. Of course they and were. Like, no, you don't press it as fast as you can. You press it to the beat. Press it like slowly. You know what? That's a good point. This game also everything is done to the music. Yes. yes. All the timing is music based. Tadpole Pond too. Even the the special attacks in battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're in uh, Nimbus Castle and Dodo's uh, trying to peck you as you're the statue, <laughs> and the music plays along to his movements. And I think the yeah. And uh, Booster's Tower when he's doing the 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 curtains is also to the music and it's it's brilliant it's beautiful you know and i think booster's like like wario's brothers or cousin or something yeah he definitely looks like wario <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely so, they should have put wario as one of the paintings that would have been cool relatives yeah i think no oh, that would have been awesome yeah i thought that too when i was playing it you know who else i thought and i ended up looking it up and he i made me realize something um johnny the shark yeah. You and you have to go to the pirate ship. Yeah. I could have sworn that Johnny and Chrono Trigger was a shark. And I actually had to look up the the concept art. And he's not at all. Mm. He's a robot. But I always thought the sprite. Mm-hmm. So when I was playing this, I'm like, holy crap, it's Johnny from Chrono Trigger. It's not. I'm an idiot. Well, Johnny has a mohawk in Chrono Trigger. And, he, and, a, sh- and a shark has a fin. So that's kind of <laughs> a yeah. good parallel, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why. I thought, I thought it was Square making a cute little reference. And... I mean, maybe it is. They like to do repeat names, but... Sid's in, like, every fucking yeah. Final Fantasy. Did, they, did, did both Johnnies have shades? I think they did. Yeah. It probably I is. So. I bet you it is. There's Sid's, there's Johnnies. Johnnies! Where's Johnny? <laughs> Where's Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find them all! I, 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 I don't want to know where Johnny is. <laughs> Keep your Johnnies yourself. Keep your Johnnies. I love, like, it's what, since we're talking about the shark, like, that the fucking pirate, pirate ship. like ghost ship deal. Oh my god, mm-hmm. that's a shit. It's like... <laughs> Do you have dolphins? <laughs> I think dude, I think we're underwater right now. I think they are. Jack still style. Where's Johnny? <laughs> and then you fight that like squid. I always love that whole part. There's mm-hmm. there's yeah. like uh you gotta figure out little like puzzles in there and Now the squid, was that a reference to Final Fantasy Boss? There's definitely a squid just like and They're that. always throwing in Krakens all over the place. Yeah, for sure. That's a classic. Leviathons enemy. and Krakens, yep. Yeah. I thought the enemies in this game, because they're very... Some of them are obviously taken from Mario games, but I thought a lot of the more abst- abstract, especially with the Smithy gang, were very square. Like, you never see that stuff in Mario. Yeah. It's very interesting. That's where you can feel it, though. You can feel the square had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And, and that's why when you see, like, the Paper Marios and the Mario and Luigi's, they feel so completely different to this, is when you take that square element out. I hate to keep referencing Final Fantasy VII, but it just, there's a lot of, like, brethrenship in there, because there's those little, like, mini-quests that are kind of funny and kind of quirky, mm-hmm. and 
they're entertaining, I mean, to say the least. And you can just feel that squareness. Yeah. I think all the mini games actually break up the monotony because it's like once you get done with the long little battle going up, like Booster Tower, for example, then it's like, all right, it's time to run up the hill. And, like, you can't mm-hmm. lose those games. And then I think you come back later and you can earn items if you break times in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can you can you can hunt bugs up on the hill. Yeah, and su- and sell them for money. That's Not right. that you need money. It's cool though. It's it's cool though that they actually you know do things like that, and they're they're actually all pretty fun in their own ways. They're very simplistic. I can see as a child if I would have had this game coming back and and playing maybe just the mini games. I can see the appeal of you know throwing those in for kind of like an arcadey experience. That's a nice bonus. And really, the whole breaking up the monotony is the pacing. It's like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it just keeps you interested. It keeps you involved. It keeps you doing something in the game, like, yeah. that isn't just um, fighting, turn-based fighting. And it all had that charm, too, of, like, the, the hilariousness, the humor. I mean, think about, like, Final Fantasy One compared. I mean, it's just, like, you walk, like, five steps, bam, turn-based. Five steps, bam, turn-based. It's just... Over and over and over and over and over, it just browbeat you. The break is a town to talk to people. Yeah. Was this the first game that Square did uh, where they were doing the pre-rendered 3D? Because I think that also lends itself to kind of being very much like Final Fantasy VII, just graphically. To me, as far as I know, I mean, I'm not a Square like mastermind, but that's the first one I know. Maybe Jeff. Um, I mean, as far as I know, that was the the first one that was starting to use that claymation-style pre-rendered stuff, because, I mean, they were basically... It seemed like they were following in the footsteps of the Donkey Kong Country series, and... Well, definitely Rare. Killer Instinct. I think Rare developed the, the, the look. Yes. But I know Square picked it up, and then they did this one, and then they did Treasure Hunter... Uh, Treasure Hunter G after this. So, so do you think that, like, also Nintendo... It. You know, and Rare, like Rare shared their techniques with Nintendo. Nintendo shared it with Square, and then Square backstabbed them and went with the PlayStation, and that's why they were such a sour. <laughs> it could be, or it just could be technology kind of converged at that point, and yeah. that's when everyone started. You know, Rare just happened to be the first company to do it, first out the door. But you know what I mean? Is that why maybe there was a, a big rift between Square and Nintendo is because they had this whole collaboration of Mario RPG, and then like Square then just goes exclusive with PlayStation because Nintendo won't, you know, release on disc, so they Yeah. can't anymore. It's very very interesting to overanalyze the situation and see where the butthurtness came from. Well it's like <laughs> Sony though, and Sony didn't like Nintendo, so now you have these contracts. So if Sony exclusively wants Square, if they pay me enough money, fuck, that's cool. Well, I mean, Square definitely has a certain way of doing it. They make very long games. They require so much storage space. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's why on X64, there really are no role-playing games. There's nothing of that magnitude because the the hardware doesn't really support it. It's not cost-effective. We were actually talking about that today um, at work. We were talking about how technology has exponentially grown and how, like, back in the day, it was a big deal to have, like, a couple mega drive, megabyte hard drive. And now it's, like, we're looking at, like, terabytes aren't going to be enough. We're going to have to have, like, petabyte drives. And it's because, yeah. like, when you're playing games, every single texture of every single object 
has the file sizes of each one of those has exponentially grown as you get better mm-hmm. and better with quality. So it's going to require more space. And that's why, like, so all of a sudden, they're not doing pixel and cartoon graphics anymore. They're not crunching sizes. Now they have to worry about polygons and stretching images over polygons. And even looking shitty as it does on the PS1, if you look back at it now, it takes up a fuck ton of space. Well, and it's not pre-rendered anymore, so you have to you have to have that processing power even to like to even yeah. uh, come up with the stuff on the fly. You know, it's it's got to it's it's got to calculate it all. Yep. So. That's why it was like it was a very trying time during that generation. Like you're either gonna grow up with it and love it, or you look back at it now and you're like. Ugh, how are you guys playing fucking Final Fantasy VII or Goldeneye or any of that shit? Like, it looks terrible. Oh, ugly 3D? Yeah, that that's that does not have a classic charm to it. Mm-mm. I don't think we're going to see a resurgence of bad polygons. Not the way that we're having a resurgence of beautiful uh, pixelated art. No, um, actually, where I think things are going to go, not to, it's not going to go to those. It's going to go to the Einhonders and the... Um, graphically beautiful ones, the ones that were more artistic in nature, like in cartoony. Mm-hmm. Those ones. Good aesthetics are timeless. Yes. They really are. You know, no one no one wants to remember you know, Final Fantasy VII's Lego people. No. The only thing that I didn't like in Final Fantasy VII back in the day was the whole map characteristic. Like the characters on the maps and shit, because like Cloud had like stub arms and shit. Yeah. That generation, though, the when they went to the polygons, the tech wasn't there to make it look good. So you've, yeah. even the best-looking poly- polygonal games still look like garbage. Play Metal Gear Solid back in the day. I still love that game, though, man. The game itself is awesome, but the graphically, like, it's... System-wise, I didn't start to see beautiful 3D until, uh, until Xbox. Yeah. I know some people argue, you know, Dreamcast, but even then, the... Now Xbox is where I, I it was the first time I was playing Fable, and it's just like, oh my god, this is pretty. Yeah, like PS2 when I was playing Vice City, it was like, yeah. now this is how you do it. Yeah. And I mean, now, now even when you look back at those, it's age. Yeah, that generation. Right? I don't mean specifically the Xbox console. That just happened to be what I was playing on at the time. Technically, Dream Dreamcast is that same generation. It didn't last long enough to be pushed to the later limits. Pirating killed it. <laughs> no one buying their games is what killed it. Yeah. Yeah, pirating and PS2 in the combination killed the Dreamcast. Because I mean, I bought a, I bought a Dreamcast when it was out, and I remember when the PS2 killed it because I was actually, I think, a senior in high school. I was working at GameStop at the time when PS2 killed it, so I was selling systems. That's awesome. Yeah. And PS2 came out with a DVD player. Mm-hmm. That's why I bought one. That was still expensive hardware at the time, and everyone was like, "Oh, I can watch movies too." Mm-hmm. I mean, we couldn't keep the remotes in stock. That was a big deal. PS2 you with know. the DVD player. I was all over that. Yep. And I had a remote. P- PS3 had the Blu-ray player. They were trying it again. Yeah. yeah. They it's thought a good they move. could piggyback off like, oh, that worked last time. Two and one. I mean. And then <laughs> the Xbox like, we've got an HD player and no one cared. No, they had an HD <laughs> add-on. <laughs> that was even yes. worse. Yes. Yeah. If you give us some more money, I actually have one of those sealed just in case my first one breaks. All add-ons are shit with all consoles. <laughs> There's also that whole line of you can be before your time, you can come after your time, but the key is being right on time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just what it takes. Well, the key is being a pack-in also. Yeah, yes. because you don't have to pay anything else for it. 
It's a bonus. An add-on is never going to save your system because that's just something else someone has to buy, and everyone who has the console isn't going to buy it. And remember when I was saying, like, just make me feel like I'm getting a deal. Mm-hmm. But it has to be a pack-in unless you're the Xbox One with the Kinect add-on. <laughs> like, the pack-in of the Kinect, like, killed the Xbox One's momentum and why... And, Highly, highly likely why the PS4 is fucking killing it this console generation. Pat, I was pro-original Xbox. I thought it was better than... It was... It could produce better visuals than, you know, GameCube or PS2. I thought it was a strong one of that of that generation. I think their programmers pushed it further, but the I think the GameCube yeah. was actually technically more powerful. By specs, I think the GameCube is the most powerful one, which is ironic. Because then that was the last time that ever happened. (laughs) The programming was too hard. It was like esoteric as hell. I like the I love the 360 at the beginning. You know, I had I I still don't have as many uh, PS3 games as 360 games. They had a stronger library starting out. They also had a a strong hardware system. Now, do you mean stronger library like overall in number or just RPG wise? They kind of start off with the Dreamcast thing of having great games in every genre. Okay. And the PS3 was very slow to take off. Yeah, it really was. I remember that. I mean, PS3 now knocks it out of the water, but at the beginning, Xbox yeah. was definitely taking the lead. Interesting. That's the irony. Like for me, like being able to burn discs onto a P- Xbox 360 killed any like reason for me to buy 360 games. So I always got PS3. <laughs> yeah. But like, they, they unlocked the potential for that one. Microsoft, I think, ruined it with the when they started changing their dashboard and they've been promoting so many ads. Like, you can't turn on the system without just getting hit in the face with, you know, Nicki Minaj. It's like, I don't want to look at this shit. I oh, just want to play my games and I have to cycle through so much bullshit. Yeah, I hate that. And they start so many initiatives that they drop. Like, I think they had a good thing going with, like, the indie. They, ha- they had their indie Xbox games that they just killed. There was three things that they dropped. One was the Kinect. One was their indie mm-hmm. thing. The other one was their DRM management. This was the thing yes. that, that killed them in the beginning, Kyle. So think about this. In order to play your Xbox One on your system, mm-hmm. you have to be connected to the internet. If you're not connected to the internet, you can't play your game you bought. That's how they were doing DRM. You had to be connected to their servers in order for them to check to make sure you have a legitimate copy. Did now did that ever actually happen, or was that just something they announced and they took away before the system launched? Apparently, it was it launched for a little bit, and the okay. um and then the other thing was is that your Connect could see how many people are in your room because it's on at all times. <laughs> so if you have three people watching a movie, it would try to charge you for three movie. Three times for the movie because there's three people in the room. Is this going to the theaters? It's charging you for tickets. Fucking rape. Yeah, like like all that shit. And whether a lot of that's merited or not, that's what people were thinking. So that kills system sales. That will kill it for me. Microsoft this generation can suck my balls. That's the opposite of a deal. Pro PS4. That's getting my ass handed to me. I honestly like wanted to play Sunset Overdrive for some reason, so I I went with a. Of Xbox One, but then we got a PS4 for cheaper, and all we play is PS4. So, I mean, and we have both. Uh, my point was that they killed any love I had of the of the systems before I, before PS1 ever came out. Yeah. Like, 360 just lost me midway. I mean, Xbox One. I was like, I don't like the direction this company's going. They're milking and diming me for 
little charges there. I, I just, I don't know. I don't like them anymore. And I was, a com- I, I completely did a 180 on it. It's bad business to me when you buy something and then that's not like the end. No. <laughs> I need to just quit fucking with every time that system updates, I groan. Kyle, welcome to new games. You know what they just did with the new <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront game? <laughs> What's that? They released, basically, from what I've heard from reviewers and read online, they released half a game with, like, 12 maps or whatever, and no single-player mode, basically. And then, if you buy the season pass for, like, $50, another fucking game, you can get 12 more maps in a single-player mode. So they already paid 60 to $70 for the game, and now they have to pay another. Like, it never ends. They have these season passes. Collectors blame, like, YouTube and pick up videos for, like, the in, the surge of new collectors into, like, retro games. No, no, no. It's fucking, no, it's fucking Microsoft and it's Sony's that fault. Yes, it's this shit that's driving people to be like, no, no, no. I just want to have a system to plug games into and play. Yeah. I want to buy a game and own it. I want to buy a game and have a whole game. It's it's even it's even more so like I don't want to invest two hundred dollars in the next game. Like Star Wars Battlefront, if you want to keep getting all this shit, it's going to be like two hundred bucks for one fucking game. Like they're milking people bone dry. I'm just picturing all these parents like, jeez, their kids like begging them. Like, <laughs> well, the, the the classic was is that. Like, Mortal Kombat X, you know, Jason Voorhees, you can play as the fucking playable character, and my wife got the season pass, so she paid, we paid the $60 for the game, and then, I think it was 40 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it was for the fucking season pass, so we're over at 100 bucks. Now they just announced, we're gonna do more characters, you know, within, at the beginning of next year or something. I'm like, is that included in our season pass? My wife doesn't know. They're probably gonna try to say, nope, that was last year's season, now it's a new season. Like, I would be like, nope, not fucking doing that. Nickel and dime hell, man. Wait, is that a thing? I thought Season Pass got you everything. Is it, did they really do, like, oh, you get... This is, there's TV seasons. There's multiple seasons? Imagine, (laughs) there's multiple fucking seasons. Shit, they could go, that was winter, now it's spring. (laughs) Like, fuck. (laughs) Fuck. Fucking garbage. There can be no low, no bounds, I mean... Basically, they're they're going to milk people dry because they're losing money somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I think that they're overinflate everything nowadays. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of people go back to retro games. You know, that's another so reason. Like, I'm waiting on Fallout Four. I it'll hit Game of the Year. They'll bundle it with all that shit. Yes. Because they, they do, they've done it for every other one. It's like, I will just, I'm tired of having, I've got on my shelf, you know, two copies of Fallout 3, two copies of um, Dragon Age 1 and 2. It's like, I don't need that many copies of these games that are blockbusters and then come out with more stuff. We actually had an episode on that where I was telling Kyle about newer games and how when he goes back and collects it in 10 years, when he finally gets to the PS3 era, um, yeah. <laughs> that that he needs to get the game of the year. Yeah, you're not going to find any of the digital content. <laughs> but no, you need that's to get it. all. That's but true, I, I was explaining all to platinum him, though, that you're going to have <laughs> Fallout 3 and then you're going to have Fallout 3, the game of the year edition. You want the game of the year edition because that's all the actual content. And that's what you're going to have to do. Like, Yeah, it's so weird to think. Like, it used to be 
greatest hits were like no one wanted greatest hits because they were ugly. Now it's like greatest hits. Well, that's where you get all the game. That's what you want. Yeah. So yeah. so like Kyle actually has it right where he's not fucking jumping in on this generation and he's going to get it later. So he's going to get the fall four game of the year edition in 15 years, but he's going to get it for 20 bucks and he's gonna, instead of paying 200, like, and mm-hmm. he's going to get the system for 50 bucks somewhere or for free from a friend or something. Like Kyle has it right. Like <laughs> all you got, everybody else is wrong. If they release like a Vice City, it's just they have to do the right thing to hook me in. Like, oh, they're they're doing Final Fantasy VII and they're doing some cool stuff. It's just like I don't know. If they did like a remake of Zelda One with the same map, like revamped graphics. Uh, so. It's called Three D Dot Heroes. Yeah, the exact same map with the exact same layout. <laughs> no, but it's, it's that's what cool. I want. Because I just like going through that game. It's, a it's weird... like a fan remake. That's an awesome game, though. By the way, that's a fucking amazing game. Sp- speaking of uh, Zelda One map, Daria, have you played the BS Zelda game? Um, not in years. The broadcast satellite because the ROMs that the ROMs that I have because I have it on a cartridge. The ROMs that I have aren't the ma- the Zelda One map, but I swear to God that I've played it before. I just, like, when me and Kyle were trying to play it when I was still in Indiana, like, it was like, man, this isn't Zelda 1. Um, the other thing that I read, though, was is that the map isn't as big. It's, like, square now instead of, like, how Zelda's map was a little bit, I think, a little bit wider. I know the BS satellite was never finished, so the one that's floating around now had to be, like, fan-finished to even be playable. Really? I, I th- It was broadcast, though. It was broadcast, but I don't think they ever did all the installments. Because it was episodic. It wasn't It wasn't completely open world. You had to get the different releases. Well, they had to push it. They definitely had to weave it together. It was time, yeah. too, so... I don't know yeah. if they lost... Like, if it's a lost episode, like the end of the game, or if they canceled the, the satellite before it was released. I just know that the BS was never completed. Yeah, it was a disaster as far as, like success goes i think that the map itself though is smaller than the nes version so i think they changed some stuff even if we did have zelda one so so we still wouldn't have what kyle wants which is just a remake of the original yeah he just wants a graphical overhaul exact speaking of that though i actually found something yesterday on my pc it was super mario brothers first person see that that's (laughs) the shit that i like that's the shit that I like, because it takes a game you already know, but then it flips it around, but you already know it, so it's cool. Where they fucked up, though, was that uh-huh. they put a little map on the on the corner so you can see your Mario sprite where it's at, so I was just playing that. <laughs> like, like, I was like... Playing the, I was looking the, at the minimalistic mini-map. Yeah, it was like... Then you can look over and you can see it in 3D, like, running real fast and shit. See, that's cool, and I think that's one of the tricks for me... My memory, it's, like, photographic in a way. It's its not completely, like, I can read a page and know every word, but if I play a game a certain amount of times, like, I can know it. And that's kind of how I've got my, like, high scores and, like, Gradius, you know, Image Fight and, like, DuckTales and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. like, if I see a game that I know, I know every, like, nuance of it, it's cool to play it in a different way. Well, that's the, your um, your kinetic, it's your muscle memory. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you, you associate with the music and the visual cues and your your muscles actually respond because you've done it so many times, you know? Yeah, it's just almost like 
fun to go back and play those things, you know. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's like that warm feeling of nostalgia, you know. I I do enjoy the like games. The thing about the uh, the Wii though with their downloadable content is there's some fucking Konami and Capcom like remakes that are only on that fucking WiiWare shop. Like Contra Rebirth, Castlevania Rebirth, there's Star Soldier R, there's Adventure Island freaking remake. Star Soldier, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, there's so many. I think the only WiiWare title I bought was um Final Fantasy IV The After Years, which yeah. they later released on PSP. So I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll, I have, now I have a physical copy. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess to, to wrap it all up, um, as far as Smithy goes, again, it reminded me of Sephiroth the Final Fantasy VII, because if you're ready for Smithy, you'll pretty much beat him every time. Mm-hmm. You just have to be ready for him, you have to be leveled up enough, and then he's pretty easy. But if you're not, you know, he'll kick your ass. What level would you say is good for the end? Mm, that's a good question. Um, normally by that time I've already maxed him out, maxed out my characters. That's the thing. Is that thirty? It's level thirty. So then, level thirty is generally where I would be at. All right. I'm so I'm five levels behind. I think twenty five should be good. Like you should be fine at level twenty five. I mean, probably. Well, I mean, I killed all the other bosses, no problem getting up to him. I'm just, okay. I'm gonna go back and and I don't need like I have way too many, uh, magic point restoring thingies. I'm gonna sell some of those and just buy pick me ups. Yep. I think I never had trouble with the one boss. It's always when they put like six of them on the board. Well, he's got like he. It's him. He has his kind of he. He's doing. A, he's a blacksmith. So he has like mm-hmm. his forge where there's like molten stuff comes down. So that's a mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, he turns into a tank at some point. Yeah, but he's also making other enemies. Yeah, there's tons. So and on a bad turn, I'm getting hit like four times because I think he's got two attacks. Well, see, I always use Princess Bowser and Mario. Don't blame, don't blame this on Mallow. It's not his fault. <laughs> and here's the thing. I think that's like Princess Bowser and Mario. Let's say that's like easy mode. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. Because I could always just kill everybody and it was like moot. So that's uh-huh. the difference. You're really feeling the effect when you can't have that group heal, the group hug. Yeah. Do you have to use Mario? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it would be funny to do a team that was like Princess, Gino, and Mallow. That'd be a cool hack, though. That would be. That probably exists. Probably. All Mallows. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, oh my it's god. like all white wizards in Final Fantasy. Yeah. Oh but, but really, like, hard mode would probably be Mario and Gino and Mallow. I know there's a hack that does um the Axum Rangers. I have that on the cartridge. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, the Red Rangers, Mario, and all that. And, I, and it yeah. starts off in the volcano, barrel volcano. So the whole game's different. Yeah, it's a full hat. It's like a full alternate. Brand new game. Yeah. yeah. So that's a whole nother endeavor altogether. Yeah, I was starting it and I just never continued it, but it wasn't of lack of interest. I think it was lack of focus and time. That's mainly most of that shit is focus and time nowadays. There's so much out there. Like, I realized that I haven't hooked up my Wii U since I've moved, and there's fucking, like, Mario Maker updates, and I still gotta beat Yoshi's Woolly World, and <laughs> fucking Z- Xenoblade Chronicles X is coming out. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, Xenoblade's beautiful. 
My, my final question, did you all manage to get a complete box copy of Mario RPG? What do we get? I had one. Uh-huh. That counts. I sold my box. And I sold my manual. What counts then? You had it. You just chose to sell it. I did have no it. No one put a gun <laughs> in your head to sell it. So yeah, it's your choice. <laughs> no, that's my choice. I decided my Super Nintendo collection, I would rather have carts and more games than... And I the box condition was a, a factor too. Like my, I had a rough box, and I decided if I was going to have any boxes, they were going to be, be like minty and nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm down to I have a Robo Trek and a Final Fantasy two. Those were the only two I kept because they were, like, it, they were extremely nice boxes. And then I sold my Mario RPG. I sold my Breath of Fire two, my Chrono Trigger. So I got, and I made good money off of them. Oh god! Like yeah. I got like fifty bucks for the box, and that was before like. This insane spike. Well, the explosion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it was before the explosion, but yeah, because um, I, I just want to mention Mario RPGs always had that worth to it too. You know, mm-hmm. it's a titan, mm-hmm. especially box though. Yeah, cause for me, I obviously I bought the game as a kid. I didn't keep the box, but I still have my original game manual, and um, I have the original strategy guide still. See, I never got that. I bet that's worth a lot now. Yeah, it's it's a white strategy guy too. Mine's like mint perfect. I I used it like of Sweet. course, but I, I took care of my shit, so it's still good. But yeah, I, I don't have the box, but I definitely that'll be on my radar. I mean, the irony is you mentioned Chrono Triggers. I actually got a Chrono Trigger boxed from I think my sister. She found it at the the shitty disc replay that Kyle's talked about on the podcast before. And it was really bad box copy, and I, I think I let my wife sell it on eBay. She made a fuck ton of money on it. <laughs> I sold mine for $75. <laughs> Very nice. Now with box protectors, though, I don't care about quality of boxes, so it's like, oh, I could have Crown Trigger sitting on a shelf in the box protector, and it looked fine. I still don't care. Like, I, And I think it, it, it comes down to I don't have the nostalgia for Super Nintendo. There it is. You know? That's what it is, then. I, it's just not there. I, I have, I mean, all my Genesis games are boxed. Like, I have to have minty complete Genesis games, but Super Nintendo? Nah. I have to throw this in really quick. Like, that's the problem with a lot of collectors. They don't know themselves. Yeah, that, there's a lot of people jumping on bandwagons and stuff. Oh, they see, they see pictures of other people's things and it's, I gotta have that. I gotta have that. It's like, why? I want it complete. They're not turning their eyes toward the inside. They're just looking what everyone else is doing. So they'll sell that shit, you know, in a year <laughs> or shelve it. For, for Super Nintendo, for me, it has to be the games that I like. Those are the games I'm going to get, and I want to get them boxed. But, like, I don't need any of the other games at all. Like, I don't even need, like, some of the ones that I'm not, like, super nostalgic for. But on the other side, like, I had 30, 30 or 40 people at that convention say they want the complete SNES as a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... I mean, I'll do the book because the Super Nintendo has amazing games, and I'll probably find some new gems that I need to fucking play. But, like, I, n- I don't think I'm going to go for a complete set ever. Fuck no. No. You know, it's funny with the explosion of prices. I, like, I didn't even see it creeping up. Like, I never even felt it, really, because... I mean, role-playing games have pretty much always been kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I was already collecting the 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 expensive part of the cli- of the the libraries anyway yeah yeah so then people are like oh the games are getting so expensive it's like why am i i, I still have to shell out like 80 dollars for this cartridge Whoa, i haven't seen a difference well now that 80 dollar cartridge is 200 dollars 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that $80 Earthbound is now 180 SNES is way harder to collect the whole set than the NES, to me. There's more games. Yeah. You just stumble across NES shit like nothing. I mean, especially back in the day. I mean, now it's changed, but... Well, yeah, now everybody, too many people stumbled over them. Now nobody is. <laughs> yeah, like raped and absconded with... Well's drive, folks. It was a lot easier to find the NES stuff than to come across the SNES stuff that I've seen mm-hmm. in all the flea market, uh, all the pawn shops, and all the retail reseller shit. I completely agree with that, but my I think my area is a little different, and I've I've mentioned that before. Yeah. Super Nintendo just wasn't big here, so Jenny. you don't find it. Right. Yeah. That's why it's good to have a different perspectives on the podcast. That's why I love the different panelists because everyone can say like, "Well, it is different here." So I mean, there's so many variables. It really gets complicated and awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think there was a huge Super Nintendo like like back market. And if it was, like we weren't even looking. We were looking past it because I think we both like progressed to the 64 PS1 era like pretty quickly, or like did other shit like focused on horror movies and stuff too for a while. And I think a big point, too, the NES is just, like, a magical flash in the pan. So it sold way more copies than anything else, no matter what system, at least around that time. Yeah, no, NES was universally huge in the U.S. So there's just more. Yeah. Yeah. That's just mathematically, like, makes sense. Genesis gave Super Nintendo a good run for their money. I saw Genesis games, like, just as often as SNES, if not more. Mm Mm-hmm. They essentially split the market, so then there's, you know, a split there, so you're going to see less overall. Exactly. There's still tons, but, like, as far as, like, NES, NES is overflowing everywhere for a while. It's creepy and crazy that now we don't see any. That's that's what's crazy to me. Yeah, it's getting sucked up into everyone's attics and shelves. Oh, and they're being churned into other games, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, people want to pretend, like, oh, they're... My hundred repos aren't hurting the market, but okay, it's your hundred and his hundred and his hundred and his thousand and his, you know, it's like, that's eventually. Yeah, it's going to definitely hurt. Well, if you look at the NES dump, I mean, every game you get is a cannibalized cart of something. Yep. That's why with my project, we're doing new parts. I mean, it's that's why it's a little more expensive, but like, we're not cannibalizing shit. I feel bad. I... When I first got, like, I don't have many reproduction games. I have three. And I, they were, I commissioned them. I sent out the cartridges. I cannibalized the Super Mario Brothers 2. Not a big deal. An Ultimate Exodus. Not a big deal. And a Battle of Ancient China. Bandits of Ancient China? Ba- Bandits. Which Thank is you. rare as fuck. I forgot the name. Yeah, rare as fuck. Like, oh my God. over a hundred dollar game. I, well, I have Just Breed. So I got an excellent game in return. But <laughs> I got one of my favorite games. Oh, there we go. Okay, cool. But okay. <laughs> it was like it was like the one of the only cartridges that could be used for it at the time. They hadn't. I don't think they'd figured out how to do with the Famicom version doing the expanded audio. And I have to throw in uh, with the uh, Return of the Joker. I wanted to say Revenge of the Joker. Return of the Joker was Mister Gimmick or Gimmick, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, w- was that audio thing? So I got to throw that in there too. Yeah, but the the irony is, is now, like, ROM hackers are figuring out ways to change the, even the mapper on some of these games, so you don't have to use the original boards of certain ones, so it's like, 
it's funny that people are going to regret some of the cannibalizations, like, because they're like, ah, oh, I got rid of the super rare game. And I, you know, I had picked up that game for $5. Like, it was, at the time, it was like, I'll turn a $5. Well, no, I knew it was rare. I, it was a conscious decision on my part. Even at the time, I knew it was one of the harder to get games. But I figured I would turn a $5 game into something that I actually absolutely love. Yeah, I think it's Bandit Kings of Ancient China. Yes, Bandit Kings. I am so sorry. No, because I messed it up too. <laughs> I said Bandit, so Bandit Kings. It was, yeah. It's a koi game that's boring to play. Esoteric fucking... My buddy John and his dad, like, play all night long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> like, well, this is awesome. Why can't Gang- Gigas Khan be the expensive one? Damn it. <laughs> that's what I have. <laughs> but, but, yeah, if I would have waited... Yes, I could have gotten a game from new parts with expanded audio and looked prettier. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't regret it too much. I, f- I, I feel a little guilty about it just because it is like a rare piece of gaming history. But on the other hand, whatever. I turned a gyromite into a converter so that I could play Famicom games on it. So that was my like mm-hmm. shame because like, I recently got a Famicom for, like, $12. I mean, it's like, why did I do that? Like, I should have just got the legit fucking system. <laughs> so that's what I ended up doing. But back in the day, it was a project, and I wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. But, so that's the thing. I don't regret it because it was fun at the time, and it's not like hindsight's twenty twenty, and we say that a lot of yeah. us. I mean, yeah. that's just how life is, you know? It is what it is, and now you got stories. Yeah, there we go, you know? So I think it's time about to wrap it up here. Yep, yep. About time to wrap it up. So, I mean, as we've said, though, Mario RPG, amazing fucking game. Definitely one of the greats on the Super Nintendo. Um, so let's do the little, the little wrap-up. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Adios, muchachos. <laughs> see. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to vgbs we appreciate everybody taking time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast we love it thank you thank you thank you if you want to correspond with us you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com we also have a phone number it is 262264vgbs you can leave us a voicemail shoot us a text message um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo. Later. Later.